Well, good morning. I'm Stephen. I'm the pastor that's going on sabbatical. <laughs> Man, uh, sabbatical starts tomorrow. Sabbatical starts in like an hour. Um, <laughs> don't talk to me after the service. I'll be gone. <laughs> Just kidding. No, no, I'll stick around for like a half hour. One o'clock. How about... One o'clock, the sabbatical starts. Um, yeah, it goes through December, and I just want to remind you, we've got preachers and communion officiants lined up, so they're going to come. I'm excited about the people that are going to come and preach, um, and so I've been directly involved with all the folks that are going to come, and I am very excited for what you're going to get uh, while I'm gone. Don't like any of them too much. Um, <laughs> You know, if there's some way that you can be like, oh, that was nice, just say that to them every week. That was nice. That'll put them in their place, you know, so thanks for doing that for me. Um, while I'm gone, you can always contact any of the elders if you need anything, any of the staff folks, your life group leader. Um, if you don't know who to contact, then chase Mike down, um, and he will connect you to the part of the church that can help you. So, um, so with that, we're finishing our series, um, and today on Family Sunday, the message is aimed at our kids. I know there aren't a huge number of them in this service, but uh, the good news is that even though it's going to be targeting toward our kids, don't check out. God has something for every single one of us. God is going to speak to you today through this story. Um, yeah, in a very, very moving way. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's one of the stories in the Bible that has taught me how to love people well. And so, um, so you're going to get a lot out of this. Um, in this series, The Story of Us, we've seen that the Bible's full of people who have episodes in their lives that are just like ours. Uh, and when we connect these stories to Jesus, we understand how then God relates to us today. And so today, our story is about a young woman. Her name is Hagar. Um, and Hagar is running away. Uh, we saw Elijah was running away too, which is kind of interesting. But Hagar was a servant. She was living with Abraham and Sarah. And so if you are a kid and you have family that has been teaching you the Bible, you will have heard of Abraham. You might have heard of Sarah. Uh, they were one of the most important families on earth because God was going to use them to bring his blessings to all of the nations of the earth. But Hagar has been rejected and so she's running away. She's running from Israel back to her homeland, Egypt. So let me show you what this looks like on a map. Um, Egypt is about 120 miles away from the city of Hebron, that bottom dot uh, near Jerusalem. It's about 120 miles away. It's a long way. So this would have been like someone who lived around Disneyland in the Disneyland area running back to Mexico. Oh, oh, and Hagar was pregnant. So the idea of her getting there was, I don't know, there wasn't a lot of hope. Um, now, why is she running away? Well, that's where we're going to jump into the text. Um, she's running away because verse 6 tells us that, uh, and the verses are going to be on the screens or also in your bulletin if you want to follow along. But in verse 6, Abram, that's Abraham, said to Sarai, who is Sarah, Behold, your servant Hagar is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarah dealt harshly with her, with Hagar, and Hagar fled from her. So Sarah was mad at Hagar and was dealing harshly with Hagar. 
as I thought about this, I thought, you know, it's bad enough when your parents are harsh with you, right? Because you know they love you. You know that they're going to be happy with you at some point, hopefully in the future. But what if you were just a servant? What if you were only a servant? That harshness might never, ever end. I mean, again, this is the story of us. And so she's running, but as she's running, something happened. Um, actually, it's not that something happened, someone happened. Because when no one else cared for her, when she was rejected and cast off, when no one else understood or cared, God came. God came. Look at verse 7. It says, The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. Now, the angel of the Lord is God. God would show up as an angel when he wanted to visit people back then. My favorite word in this verse, do you know what it is? Found. The angel of the Lord found her because he was looking. He was looking. Um, Because you might think that God might be angry with her. When you think about Kids, right? Sometimes parents do this. Uh, you know, when, it's, when things are hard, when things are difficult, uh, maybe at home, something happens at school, and maybe you're hurt or you're sad, and your parents come, and they just make it worse because they get angry. And they sort of add their anger on top of the problem. Or they really just very sternly just tell you what to do. God isn't like that. That's not, what God, that's not what God is like. God wasn't angry. He cared about Hagar. He showed up and he asked Hagar two questions. Verse eight. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarah, where have you come from? And where are you going? I, I love these two questions. I love these two questions. I mean, first of all, does God need to ask these questions? No. I mean, God knows everything. God knows exactly where she came from. God knows exactly where she thinks she's heading. God knows if she can make it or not, right? He knows everything. He has infinite knowledge. So why does he ask these questions? Well, they're not for him. They're for her. You know what these questions do? They actually draw Hagar out. Um, they communicate to Hagar an incredibly important message, and that's that you matter. You matter to me. Hagar, what's happening? You can talk to me. Maybe you have someone in your life like this. Um, sometimes for kids when they're young, they don't have someone like this. They just have their parents, and their parents don't treat them this way. But maybe you have someone where something's bothering you, and you really want to talk to that person because they're good at listening, because they're good at not judging. You kind of feel like you can just tell them what you think. Um, Friends, God has all the time in the world for you. He has all the time in the world for you. He is so good in this way. 
man, God, he sees every single way that you've been mistreated. God sees everything that's happened to you and he cares about all of it. He knows what's been done to you. He knows what you've had to go through. Like God has the infinite understanding of every little thing that's happened that's made you the way you are right now. And it's not just the stuff done to you. God also knows the stuff that you've done that's messed up. God knows the ways that you have been the problem. And he still cares. He's not angry. Man, we think about our kids, like, Kids, if it's your parents that have treated you this way, your brothers, your sisters, your friends, God says, I understand. Like, I know. I know what you're going through. Talk to me about it. It matters to me. Where have you come from? And where are you going? And these are like the simplest questions. And they're some of the most deeply profound questions if you think about them. Like the more you think about these two questions, the deeper they get. Where have you come from? Could just be, <laughs> where are you coming from? But it could be, Hagar, what's happened in your life to bring you to this place? Where are you going? Could be, what do you see in the future for you? Where do you see this going? And with God, it's, can I come too? Will you come with me? Will you let me come with you? This is so deeply powerful to me. Because um, I do have people in my life that, under, that, that understand, that see me. Um, but nobody perfectly. Like nobody really, really, really knows. You know what I mean? But God does. And there are times when I am incredibly lifted up and restored because someone hears me and they just... They're just there. They don't necessarily have answers, but they're just willing to listen and I can talk it through and I feel like I matter to someone. And then there's other times where it's literally me and God and I pour my heart out and I just see the tear-streaked face of Jesus saying, I know. I know. I'm here. I know what it's like. You're not alone. So this is what God is doing for Hagar, a servant girl who's been kicked out, who's run away from a family. And if God feels this way about her, guess what? Guess what? Why would God put a story like this in the Bible? It's for you so you would know that this is what he's like. Hagar's response comes at the end of verse eight. 
she said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarah. I don't know if you noticed, but Hagar answers the first question, not the second. She answers, where have you come from, but doesn't answer, where are you going? I think it's because she doesn't know where she's going. She's like, God, everything's ruined. My life is over. Um, no one will want me. I am a pregnant woman in the ancient Near East. My general hope is through marriage and family. And no one will marry me. I'm pregnant. I'm soiled. And I have no family. You ever feel this way? Man, this is a story of us. And you don't have to feel this way for God to love you like this either, you know? I mean, I think we get these extreme stories so that we'll know that when it's this bad, God is there. So if it's not this bad, guess what? God is still there. Now, God's response is going to feel shocking to you. Okay? Verse nine. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. So he's saying, go back to Sarah and submit to her. Why? Like, what is God thinking here? Like, you got to think about that, right? What, 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 God could just provide for her, right? God could just, I don't know, bring a guy, <laughs> let her get married, help her join a community, right? He, he could have done all these, I mean, he could have done so many other things. But he says, go back to your mistress and submit to her. As I thought about this, I think it's because God knows that when we have to do really hard things, it makes us strong and courageous. And that's really important to God. We could say it this way, all of God's parenting is designed to make us strong and courageous. Um, in fact, you kids and you adults, you need both God and parents to help you to become strong and courageous. And so a word to parents or potential parents, don't just rescue your kids from difficulty. Um, first, you can't protect your kids from everything. Um, but second, you don't want to protect your kids from everything. Um, instead, focus your parenting on helping your kids to become strong enough to handle the difficulties. Right? That's how God works. God very often, almost always, doesn't take away our suffering. Think about that. God is the perfect father, and yet he very rarely takes away our suffering. That's his parenting. Instead, God makes us strong enough to still love him and to love others through our suffering, in the midst of our suffering. Whether it's the pressure of like physical disability or sickness, and again, I'm not saying don't provide comfort because God does that too, but there's a strengthening. There isn't a removal of the problem. So if it's the, pr if it's the pressure of physical um, issues, 
or the psychological pressures of frustration and having and like hard work, um, or the moral pressure of being able to stand up for what's right when no one else is. Like this is strength and courage that all of us need. This is strength and courage that God wants to fill the world with so that the world could see through his people what real humanity is supposed to look like. Amanda, my 16-year-old, she wrote an essay this week about a decision that she had to make. Um, Her two best friends started taking drugs and they wanted her to join them. Uh, These were people that were people that she was, like, I don't want to say forced, but she was, her schedule was to see them for like five or six hours a day, five days a week. Lots and lots and lots of downtime in this. And in her essay, Amanda talks about the decision that she made to not join them in taking drugs. And she talked about how this experience affected her. And she said three things. She said, having to make this decision made me feel strong. She said, I didn't know how strong I was until I had to make this decision. That rings true for you, doesn't it? I mean, there's things that we think and we kind of hope that we would do. We think we have the strength and the fortitude or the faith or the commitment to God to do what's right. And yet you don't really know until you do it. And it's not until you do it that you realize like, oh, I actually am strong enough to do this. You follow? Um, So first, um, having to make the decision made her feel strong. Second, she found that her friends actually respected her for making the decision not to follow them. That was a surprise to her. She thought she'd be rejected. Um, and then third, Amanda discovered that she was someone, she said, I realized like, that I'm someone who doesn't have to conform to the broken parts of our society. Wow. So I didn't actually know that Amanda even made this decision. Um, I knew her friends and I knew that they had significantly questionable elements of their character. Um, but we didn't forbid her from hanging out with them. Um, we didn't need to. We didn't need to because we'd given her the strength that she'd needed. We'd made her have to deal with difficulties. We'd taught her and helped her wrestle with things. We basically, God used us and obviously things apart from us to give her the strength she needed and the freedom to exercise those decisions so that when she was in the difficult situation, she could honor him. And so... This is why God sends Hagar back into a really difficult situation. She is going to need this strength to become what God wants her to become. And so God sends her back, but God sends her with his blessing. Um, Verse 10, the angel of the Lord also said to her, and I like this, because the angel of the Lord told her, go back and submit to your mistress. But then the, the Lord also said this, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction. So God is saying, look, 
I'm going to turn your son into the king of a huge nation of people because I've heard your cry and I care. Hagar, I care deeply about you and the future of your children and your legacy. So it's like God is saying, look, Sarah might not be on your side, but I am. I am. And Hagar's response to all of this is worship. Hagar comes away from this interaction thinking that God is amazing. Verse 13, so she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. For she said, truly, I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore, the well was called Beer Lahai Roy. Beer Lahai Roy means the well of the one who is, it's, it's the well of the God who is living and sees me. So it's kind of wrapped up with the name that she gave to God. And I love this name. People say, what's your God like? Well, he's the God who sees me. He's the God who knows. He's the God who understands. And I love him for it. I love him for it. I worship him because of what he's like. So Hagar, she doesn't complain about going back. She rejoices and worships the God who sees. It's almost like she's saying, God, if you are with me, I can do anything. Anything. Do you ever feel that way? Can I invite you to feel that way? If you worship the God of the Bible, you can do anything if he's with you. Hagar says, yeah, it's going to be hard, but you're with me, God. You can make me stronger even than the people who hurt me. And I think in this way, Hagar is like Jesus. Um, Hagar goes back into the place of suffering so that her child would be blessed. And Jesus does the same thing on the cross. Jesus said yes to the pathway of suffering. Jesus said yes. He went back into the place. He went to the cross. But he did it so that we would be blessed. In this passage, there's a difference too between Jesus and Hagar because in this passage, God found Hagar and blessed her. But on the cross, God turned away from Jesus. On the cross, God judged Jesus so that we would be forgiven, so that the things that stood between us and God would be taken away and God would love us for who we are as we are So uh, just there's two things that I'd like all of you to do, kids and parents, this week in light of this story. Um, two things. First, I want to invite you to pray this week. I want you to pray knowing that God sees you and understands you. Okay? I want you to pray differently. I want you to pray as though this story is true. <laughs> 
you to pray to this God. Know that he cares. Know that you're not alone. Know that God wants to hear from you. Friends, this story exists in the Bible so that you would know that this is what God is like. And then second, I want you to see this week. I want you to see, try to see others in this way, the way that God, in the way that God sees you. So parents, try to see your kids in this way. Try to, I mean, ask these questions or some form of these two questions, right? Instead of immediately giving the answer, instead of immediately correcting, instead of immediately getting angry. And I know it's challenging, it's difficult. For me, sometimes I've had to pray up before I walk into the house. Or I've had to pray up and I've had to say, God, okay, my temptation is to be angry already and I haven't even heard from them yet. Um, I want to crush them. I want to destroy them. I want to make them obey, especially my wife, because she's like at her wit's end and I want to make them suffer for it. You know, God, give me patience. God, this is not your heart right now. Um, God, give me your patience, right? And help me to see them the way that you see them. So it looks like going into your kids and saying, hey, where have you come from and where are you going? (laughs) Um, It's asking some form of that question. Hey, um, what are you hoping to accomplish with this? What were you trying to have happen? Um, Some question like that that would at least help to draw them out. You might be surprised. I I would say that if you took the time to listen, and again, depends on how old your kids are, you might be surprised. So try to see your kids in the way that God sees you with understanding and patience. Um, And then kids, this can be a stretch. This is a stretch. Um, But could you try this week to try to understand why someone else might be mad? Could you try to understand why someone else might be sad? And could you go to them and just say, I see that you're mad and I'm sorry. I see that you're sad and I care about the fact that you're sad. If you can do that, you would get to be an image of this God who sees. That's really special. I think life groups are maybe the best place to be regularly seen and to regularly see others. And so if you're not in a life group, I'd invite you to join one of our life groups. Um, And remember, like seeing is sometimes just listening and telling someone that you see that they're in pain. Like, you don't have to have answers. Um, sometimes just letting someone know that you're sorry that they're suffering means a lot. Means a lot. Um, I had a conversation with Ryan. Uh, it was a couple of weeks ago. And he said, no, wait. I had two conversations. One was a week, one was two weeks ago. It doesn't matter. Um, what he said mattered. We were talking about some pretty deep things and he said, you know, Dad, I don't feel like I have a relationship with God. He said, I pray, I do things, but I don't feel like I have a relationship. And he said, I never get any feedback from him. And I was like, Ryan, that's an incredibly smart way to describe what you're feeling. 
And then I said, thank you for telling me, you know, and my brain is racing because I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm a pastor and my son doesn't know Jesus and, you know, and, and what do I do? And then I was like, shut up, <laughs> shut up, listen to your son, try to see where he's at. And I just was just talking to him. Tell me more about that. Do you feel guilty? Does it feel weird because you're the son of a pastor? Like you should know better. He's like, yeah, kind of. Um, and we just talked. And, and I'm praying, God, what does it mean? Like, why don't you give him feedback? God, what's wrong with you? Like, why aren't you doing this? Like, come on. What the heck? Um, this is my son. And um, so, but with Ryan, I was patient. And I started telling Ryan stories from the Bible. I want to tell him stories like this one so that he could know how God thinks and feels because of what he's revealed about himself in the Bible. You know, and so I told him um, this week, I told him the story of the, the, the lost sheep, the one that Chad led us through in the confession, that there's more joy in heaven over one person who repents. And we talked about this. I was like, do you realize what this means? Like that God is overjoyed when you tell him what you've done wrong. And that was like new for him. And I was like, Ryan, you know when you pray, how it feels like you don't get any feedback? He goes, yeah. And I said, well, what if you were praying to a God who when you were praying was rejoicing that you were talking to him, was super eager to hear from you? And he was like, that'd be something. And it was just like sinking into his heart because he just hadn't thought about God reacting to his prayers like that. And so I asked him if he wanted to pray, and he did, and he prayed, and he just thanked God for being this God who rejoices, you know, that when he sins and he confesses it, that God would even rejoice at his confession. And I said, Ryan, just so you know, like, God wanted me to tell you this story. Um, and actually, in my life, this is one of the biggest ways that God gives me feedback in my relationship with him. I feel like my prayers are me talking to God, and then God talks back to me with the stories in the Bible. Because the stories in the Bible actually remind us of what God is like and how he's treated other people so that we would know that's how he treats us too. And so, and so the relationship deepens, you know? Um, and he's on a journey, but I'm on a journey, right? We're all on a journey. And the good news is that we have a God who sees us and knows exactly where we are with him. He knows if we have a relationship with him or not. And he sees the efforts. He sees our heart's desire to come and to know him. And so I want to just invite you this week to pray to this God. Whether it's for the first time or the thousand and first time, pray to a God like, to this God who sees and cares, who rejoices when you're coming and wants to spend time with you. And then see if there's someone in your life that you might be able to see the way God does. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being this kind of God. 
Thank you for being a God who sees us. I feel like you've seen us today in these moments. We're reminded that this is what you're like and that your infinite knowledge of who we are is filled with love and understanding. Help us to believe this when we pray. Help us to experience this even when we pray on our own. And help us to see each other and encourage each other that this is what you're like and to share this kind of love with each other. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.